one constant through all the years, Ray. Been Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. From the BTG Studios in Rochester, New York, this is the Beyond the Game program, Sports Talk Without the Trash Talk, along with producer extraordinaire Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson, and joining us this week is very special guest. Zach's brother, Spencer, is with us once again, as he does. You're almost, what, a, a recurring member of the cast at this point, just popping in every so often? Starting to be, yeah. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Anytime I can come on and lower the production quality of your show, I love the opportunity. <laughs> and we appreciate you doing that. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. If you'd like to contact the show, there's a number of ways you can do that. First off, there's our website, btgprogram.com. There's also the studio line, 585-431-1202. Leave us a message anytime, day or night. I promise we will not answer that phone line, but you can leave a <laughs> message and who knows you might even make the airwaves you can follow us on twitter instagram our facebook page pretty sure they're all the same at btg program the christian hackenberg era is over for the new york jets without so much as one regular season snap despite his college career at penn state being what would you say inconsistent i suppose is kind though at times uh the high points did show signs of great potential. I mean, there were some high points that you say, man, this guy has got all the skills. And despite questions about his pocket mechanics, the New York Jets still spent a valuable second-round pick in the 2016 NFL Draft to get the ha- to get Hackenberg, who had no regular season snaps in the NFL. I suppose diehard Jet fans will defend their team, say, hey, man, we took a chance. They saw the potential. They rolled the dice. You know, it just didn't work out. And that that may be so. But don't you think the Jets' front office just sort of admitted screwing up that draft by dealing Hackenberg to Oakland, soon to be the Las Vegas Raiders? So I guess if rolling a dice on the player is – what the Raiders want to do, being the Vegas Raiders, is the place yeah. to do that. You could say it's a big gamble. Oh, there we go. In exchange, the Jets receive a conditional seventh-round draft pick in 2019. Essentially, the Jets, Jets are trading a second-round draft I can't even say it. <laughs> Essentially, the Jets are trading a second-round draft choice for a possible, though uncertain, seventh-rounder. They paid this cat. I don't know how much money for not even taking an NFL snap. And nothing against Hackenberg, yeah, but, you know, the the Jets screwed this one up. No doubt about it. He showed a lot of potential as a clipboard holder, though. (laughs) It was was a skilled asset in that area. (laughs) Absolutely. I saw a report on ESPN that said over the past 11 years that there are five second-round players who haven't played it down for their team uh, since being drafted uh, over these last 11 years. There's Hackenberg. He's one of them. And who's been healthy the entire time that he's he's been with the Jets. Mm -hmm. And there are four other guys, all of who have been hampered by injuries. But you'd have to say, I think, that this has got to be a relief 
for Hackenberg. Let me start over. Let me get out of here. If anybody needed a redo, had to be this guy. The Jets did him no favors. Did him absolutely. What were they thinking? You remember they had four quarterback depth chart yeah. at one point. Mm-hmm. Poor guy, you can't get any snaps. Even in practice, you got to get all those quarterbacks some work to have them try to be ready. How do you earn a job when you're one of four? Not only did they water down his practice time, but they had turnover at the offensive coordinator. They had a guy at the quarterback position who had no experience working with quarterbacks. It just, the Jets did this guy no favors. They messed this up. And fans have to be hoping that maybe the Jets are acknowledging that they made some mistakes. They're starting to go about things a little differently by trading Hackenberg for essentially nothing in return. They're really just cutting bait and moving on. Look, mm-hmm. we got to move on from this. Clearing up the depth chart. They also cut Bryce Petty a week or so ago. And now they're left with just a third overall pick from this year's draft, Sam Darno. Mm-hmm. They also have McCown, who's probably the favorite to be the starter next year. Yeah. And they have Teddy Bridgewater, which after his knee surgeries, who knows what that's going to be. But that's a wild card out there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's Teddy Bridgewater, who I I have some, but but regardless of what you get from Teddy, you have three quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. You know, you're able to get practice reps for most of them, and I think you're you're probably looking to get Darno as ready as you as fast as you can. What I'm not sure is what the Raiders' motivation in this is. What are they What do they get from this? Apart from again rolling the dice, but the Jets. they should have cleared out from him a long time ago. They should have just moved on. Right. Uh, head coach Todd Bowles said after the trade that any time a pick doesn't work out, I guess you can look at it as a waste. Yeah, I guess. When a pick does work out, it's not a waste. You learn lessons from everything you do in life. It's not just football and draft picks. All right. That sort of reminds me of one of my favorite Bible verses, and you have to accept that you can't change the past. and. At some point, you do need to do what the Jets are doing and cut bait, let it go, move on. Paul understood this when he wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. So good for the New York Jets for coming to that conclusion, and we'll see what happens. Like I said, nothing against Hackenberg. I hope it works out for him, but... Uh, just you think what a waste two years of salary and pay and, and all that goes into that and the guy doesn't even get an NFL regular season snap <laughs> the Bible also says this in Proverbs chapter 21 verse 23 whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles there are times when we learn from our mistakes and times when we're Better off to just keep our mouths shut, and it would seem that former Syracuse star and current Oklahoma City Thunder veteran Carmelo Anthony is familiar with neither of these concepts. (laughs) There was an Instagram post recently which received some attention and then even more attention once Melo decided to weigh in, which voiced an opinion that sharpshooter Kyle Korver of the Cleveland Cavaliers is a better player than Carmelo at this point of their NBA careers. And I would... I would concur. I, I, I mm-hmm. would think so, although it's close. The Post was not claiming that Corver is better than Carmelo ever was, but simply saying that at this point of their respective careers, Corver's the better player. Anthony posted in response on his Instagram account 
Wow, with a whole lot of W's, <laughs> as well as some cr- uh, crying, though, that crying laughing emoji that is so popular. And he said, had to comment on this one. Well, right there, I'm going to stop you, Carmelo, because I don't think you had to. You never have to say something. Sometimes it's okay to not say something. And after the season you had, especially on social media, you don't have to answer this. All you did is draw more attention to it. Social media is like it's like a popular fishing hole. You got all these <laughs> lures out there just waiting for some big fish to latch on, and that big fish was Anthony. Carver and Anthony were both taken in the 2003 draft class. In addition to being a one-time great NBA player, Anthony's a three-time gold medalist and an NCAA champion with the Orange. Carver can't say the same. But after averaging a career low, 16.2 points on 40% shooting this past season, Anthony's role in the Thunder's first-round playoff loss to the Utah Jazz was was practically non-existent. He he just wasn't there. Mello was used this year as more of a uh, catch-and-shoot type option for the Thunder. He's no longer that isolation scorer that he once was. Corver, meanwhile, he's been an important part of the Cavaliers' run through the playoffs to the Eastern Conference Finals during the regular season. He averaged nine points, certainly less than Carmelo's 16.2, on 46% shooting, which is obviously higher than Carmelo's 40%, and he was coming off Cleveland's bench. Yeah, as much as I like Melo, I'll always be grateful for his role in bringing a national championship to Syracuse. I got to think I'd take Corver today. I, you know, I like the spark off the bench. I think both guys are essentially players who should be coming off the bench and providing that spark for their team at this point. But Carmelo's not going to accept that. He said he 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 wouldn't accept that. He can opt out of his contract next season, scheduled to pay him twenty eight million dollars. So, man, if you're getting twenty eight million dollars, you really have to think hard about whether or not you want to opt out of it. Yeah. Hey, that that takes some thought. I know what I would do. I know what I would do too, and it's not opting out of twenty eight yeah. million dollars <laughs> because I'm not sure of any team that's yeah. going to give him In fact, that. I would like to opt into twenty eight million dollars. If anyone knows where I could do that, I would. You can contact our studio and let <laughs> Zach know where he can opt in to twenty eight million dollars. Time for a break, but when we come back after the Terrible shootings in Santa Fe. Houston Texans' J.J. Watt has offered to cover the funeral cross of those who lost their lives. And unbelievably, there are some who are critical of that and suggest that, well, that's not enough. We'll talk about that story during this hour of Beyond the Game. Zach's got his latest shenanigans statements. His brother is here. Plus, we'll tell you what it is that we like this week and more. That's all coming up today on the show. Come on back. Spend the hour with us. This is the Beyond the Game program. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles, our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student-athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Is here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. Christian Sports Television. 
Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from Pee to the pros, games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, Western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. Welcome back to the Beyond. What? <laughs> Name of Welcome to the Beyond. <laughs> Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson along with Zach and Spencer Barletta. Glad you could join us as we talk sports and add a faith-based perspective to the conversation. So you thought the Beyond was going to be pearly gates and clouds, but no, it's actually sports talk. So I had a thought, Benson, over the break. We were talking about Christian Hackenberg and him being traded to the Raiders and you know I had this thought that he basically is EJ Manuel 2.0 of course Bills fans in the local area here are very familiar with EJ Manuel the Bills traded up several years ago took him at I believe number 16 overall he was the first quarterback drafted in that draft and everybody myself included was like what (laughs) EJ Manuel he's like this is like three rounds too early and the scouts agreed and E.J. Manuel came in and he had these high expectations that he just wasn't capable of meeting because in reality he was a fourth-round developmental project. And I felt like Christian Hackenberg was the same way. He's not a second-round quarterback. He's a fifth, sixth-round quarterback that you hope you can develop over time into a useful backup. And he came in with a lot of pressure. He was obviously never able to meet. And then like E.J. Manuel, he faded into obscurity by going to the Raiders. So I just felt like... We've seen the story before because he's basically E.J. Manuel. That's a great comparison. You're absolutely right. It's a sad reality, really, that you just can't make everybody happy, regardless of where you draft a guy, whether you think it's going to be a project, whether you think it's going to be the guy. There are going to be some that are happy with that, some that are not. Even when you're doing a good thing in the eyes of many, there will be some that will question your motives. They may suggest that what you did just wasn't enough. They may suggest that it was perhaps misdirected. And I guess in truth, we can all be a little cynical in that way. We're all, you know, wondering what the what's going through the other person's head. For example, many people are quick to cast judgment on why a professional athlete, why a celebrity makes the money they do. And I'm in that boat. Man, that's a lot of money. You don't need that. That money could be used to feed the poor. That money could be used to uh, do good things. Nobody needs that much money as they're getting paid. That's often their response, and that's often thoughts that go through my head. But quite frankly, um, I have no right to think that. It's not up to me what people do with their money. It's not up to me to determine what is the right amount for somebody to make to be a celebrity, to be a star athlete. I know there are tele-evangelists, Christian authors who live very, very well, you know, complete with mansions, private jets to get them around. I'm not sure how to resolve that. Uh, A Christian author, a Christian televangelist, Christian celebrity that makes millions of dollars. And then there's missionaries around the world screaming for money, begging for money to do what they feel God has called them to do while others seem to have excess. But at the end of the day, while I do not understand that, it's not up to me 
to question why God blesses some more than others. While I silently wonder about why why some have so much, why others struggle, uh, though both seem busy about what God has called them to do, I like to think that my raised eyebrow, my question in silence, is sort of rooted in innocence. I'm not condemning anybody. I just sort of wonder why that is. But at times the questioning is just, it's simple bewilderment. You're just wondering why. At times it, it's abiding criticism, though, for some, and it's motivated out of greed. It's motivated out of selfishness. And and this is nothing new. You can recall, maybe you're even thinking of it, the account of Mary, her alabaster box, which contained a valuable ointment. She and her sister seemed to be hosting this dinner to sort of thank, to sort of honor Jesus for bringing their beloved Lazarus back from the dead, that miracle that he performed. Mary washed Jesus' feet with this with this ointment. In the time when you when you when a guest came to a home in, in these times, usually their feet were washed with with water, with uh, you know their head may be anointed with just a dab of oil or perfume. But in John chapter twelve, verse three, the Bible says Mary used about a pound of this stuff. She went she went pretty heavy. That was about uh, maybe twelve ounces or so, is what I've read. Some biblical scholars will say that's like a small soda. So she went to town just giving this stuff to Jesus. And it was um, basically trying to convey this is a very humble moment where she is just heaping praise on him, just gratefulness on him. But the disciples became indignant, according to Matthew 26, 8. And John singles out Judas's Judas, in his account, John chapter 12, verse 4 and 5 says, But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to poor people? Judas questioned Mary's motives. And the Bible provides us the reason why in verse 6. He, now, that, now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money, he used to pilfer what was put into it. Apparently, Judas was a treasurer, and he liked to skim a little bit off the top for, for his own. He would have preferred that that money that she was she had spent on this expensive ointment that had gone into the coffer for him to, you know, take a little off the top, or as he says, for the poor. You know, it's for the kids, so it's all good. Perhaps at times we look at what other people have with a bit of selfish resentment and then try to justify our feelings by suggesting they do more for others who are in need. Now, I have no idea what prompted his response, but this past week after the devastating school shooting in Santa Fe, NFL star J.J. Watt said he would pay for the funerals of all 10 people who were murdered. Yet former NBA star Stephen Jackson was critical of Watt for his offer to help. Maybe. Maybe Jackson was trying to make some sort of point, but what a clumsy way to go about mm -hmm. it. I mean, absolutely clumsy. And the timing, there, there's, there's absolutely nothing you could say. Even if you want to be critical, the timing of it, this isn't the time to say something. You're just going to look like, you're just going to look bad mm -hmm. in that situation. Jackson said on Instagram, following Watt's announcement that he was going to personally pay for the funerals, Quote, still got all that hurricane hurricane bread people donated, might as well. Oh, man, that's cold. Referring, of course, to Watt 
previously raising $37 million about a year Mm -hmm. ago for victims of Hurricane Harvey. He followed that up by claiming how he would have done such a better job saying all that bread, PA Texas, I don't know what PA Texas means, would have been rebuilt by now if it was sent to me. Wow. (laughs) Here's J.J. Watt doing a, a, a terrific thing. And you got people taking shots. Millions of people were affected by that hurricane last year. And despite raising all the money, Watt was asked back in February where the money went. And at that time, J.J. Watt posted on social media, there are 2.3 million people in Houston alone. Uh, I apologize that we aren't able to reach every single person. It's simply not possible. We've rebuilt homes and daycares, provided food and medical care, and our work is far from finished. I promise we're doing the best we can. Now, Stephen Jackson was paid about $68 million during his time in the NBA. And from what I know, he's offered to pay for nothing for these people, yet he's critical of what? Now, again, it's not up to me to determine what is right for Stephen Jackson to do with his money. But you make that kind of money, you shouldn't be telling somebody else what they should or should not be doing, especially Mm -hmm. when they're doing a good thing. I mean, it may be a clumsy thing. It may perhaps even a stupid way to go about it. But I think what he was trying to do is make the point that there are other people who have done more and maybe get less attention. Look, that's life. You know, if you're a star, if you're a celebrity, if you're a pro athlete, you're going to get more attention than the regular Joes. There are regular people doing terrific things each and every day, and they don't get any recognition for it. That's just life. He made another post in which he rambled on. This is Stephen Jackson through a hodgepodge of words that I guess somehow resembled the use of the English language. But, man, he was just (laughs) rambling in what he referred to two other people and suggested near as I can tell that they had done more. I'm trying to read through his hodgepodge of rambling, and I guess what he's trying to say is they did more than J.J. Watt. And though, still not him, though. These are still other people we're talking about. I I still haven't seen where he has done anything. And if that's true, that's terrific. But so what? Great. You know, should they get recognition? Well, I I guess if that's what they're seeking, but um, probably not. You know, if if that's your motive in getting noticed for doing something, then your motives are out of place. Charity should not be a comparison of what one person does compared to what another person does. In Luke 21, 14, there's an account of the rich man who who gave charitably and a widow who also gave, though, a much smaller amount. And Jesus said the two mites which that widow gave was more significant, even though it was less value than what that rich person again. Luke chapter 21, verses 3 and 4, I think I said... uh, Verse 14, a minute ago, it, the, it was I'm missing a dash there as I'm looking at my notes. It's Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. But here's verse 3 and 4. And he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them, for they all out of their surplus put into the offering. But she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. This woman was actually in need of receiving charity, but yet here she is with a heart to give. Wasn't much, but what she gave, she gave in faith that God could use it, and God commends giving in faith. The widow's faith was so strong, in fact, that the Bible says she gave the last of what she had 
God provides for our needs. And she felt very assured. She had great faith that God was going to take care of her. The Bible doesn't tell us how things turned out for this woman, but we know that God was pleased with both her gift and her faith. God provides for both, uh, you know, our great needs and our small needs. Our greatest need is the forgiveness of sins, and God has provided that as well. Because of our sin, we cannot enjoy fellowship with God by spending eternity in heaven with him. As sinners, we deserve to pay for our crimes, the biggest of which is rejecting Jesus Christ. We can spend all of eternity in hell trying to pay the debt of our sin, being punished for our sin, and it still won't be enough. But God has provided a way. He's provided uh, for our need. God has made a way that forgiveness of sins is possible. None of us are perfect. The Bible says we come short of the glory of God. The amazing part of the gospel message is that even though we are guilty, God God doesn't have us pay the, the penalty of our sins ourselves if we don't want to. He has provided a way where we don't have to by giving his only son, Jesus Christ, that though he lived a perfect, sinless life, he gave himself on the cross as a sacrifice to cover the cost of your sins and mine. And God simply asks that we come to the point where we confess our sins and ask him to forgive us. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I wonder if you're listening here this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whatever time you're listening, do you know for sure that if you died today that you would go to heaven? How do you say that one gets there, I wonder? How do you think people get to heaven? And what are you basing your assurance on? Have you ever investigated for yourself what the Word of God really says? I mean, really dug in, really sought out the truth. Maybe somewhere along the line you heard something. Maybe somewhere along the line you conjured up something which made sense to you because it was fairly palatable. You've you've been content your whole life just to approach the matter rather blindly. You can know for sure whether or not you have eternal life. First John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. The Bible says we're all sinners, which I think most everybody I've ever met is pretty would readily admit that. Because of our sin, we're separated from God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. John 3.3 says, Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. There's no other way. Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You need God to extend to you grace and mercy, and he offers that. It's available if only you would ask for it. Again, First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross? Do you believe that he rose again three days later? And are you ready to ask him to forgive you of your sins. Are you ready to turn away from an old lifestyle of doing things your way? And will you make the choice to follow after God? Admit to him your sin and your guilt. Tell him you believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose again, 
ask him to forgive you. Romans 10, chapter uh, chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart a man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I hope you trust Christ today. I hope you would worry about your own situation rather than what somebody else is doing. If we can help, please reach out to us through our website, btgprogram.com. Maybe it's only to ask us to pray for you. It would be grateful to do that. I want to thank you for listening. Along with Zach and Spencer Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Looking back on the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics, this is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through May 10th, 2018. The Red Hawks recap being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. With the semester nearly complete, if not completed for many, the competitive seasons are all but over for this year's Red Hawks of Roberts Wesleyan College. Some awards and accolades were handed out this past week, though, which I'd like to share with you. Freshman Emily Tomei of the women's lacrosse team is the first player in the history of Roberts Wesleyan women's lacrosse to be named East Coast Conference Women's Lacrosse Rookie of the Year. The Webster, New York native started all 18 games and scored 44 goals on the season to go along with 16 assists, totaling 60 points. Tomei was tied for 11th in the ECC for points on the season. Tomei was named ECC All-Conference Second Team. She joins teammates Taylor Nathan and Victoria Greco all three girls from the greater Rochester area. 34 members of the Roberts Wesleyan track and field teams were named to the all-conference team. On the men's side, 18 student-athletes were named all-conference, 11 making first team and 7 nominated to the second team. For the women, 12 of the 16 named received first team honors while 4 notched second team selections. Congratulations to all the Red Hawks athletes this past year from all of us here at Beyond the Game. It's been our honor to partner with you in promoting Roberts Wesleyan Athletics. For more information, visit their website, robertsredhawks.com. You'll find plenty of other news regarding Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics, as well as scores, game highlights, and much more. And don't forget that you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that can pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024 and let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God.
Thanks for joining us. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program, sports talk from a faith-based perspective. And man, Zach, you are just picking some driving bumpers today. Just jamming. Yeah, I feel like we, sing over here a little we bit should be recording this in a muscle car. Like I feel like uh, <laughs> that's the mood that we're just driving up here. and down the main strip, letting the windows down, the radio cranking up, and contributing yeah. to global warming. Yeah, we're just uh, and then three older fat guys in a muscle car. <laughs> <laughs> Beyond the game is recorded in Rochester, New York. But regardless of where you are, you can listen to the podcast by visiting our website btgprogram.com. You can also find our podcast on iTunes and other podcast sources like Google Play. And, of course, you have the option to subscribe and have it downloaded automatically. Each week, the podcast is downloaded and listened to regularly all around the world. Places like England, Ireland, South Africa, they're downloading the show. They're listening to it. Many other places internationally, just as it is throughout the United States. Places like Yakima, Washington, where last week's show was downloaded. Olympic skiers Steve, Steve and Phil Mayer were born in Yakima. Phil won gold in the 1984 Sarajevo Olympics, won silver in Lake Placid in 1980. His twin brother Steve won silver in Sarajevo. Each has won world championships and made Yakima, Washington quite proud. Former catcher Scott Hatterberg enjoyed a 13-year major league career with the Red Sox, the Reds, the A's, played his youth youth baseball in Yakima, graduated from high school there. Chris Pratt played him in the terrific movie Moneyball. Singer Gary Puckett grew up in Yakima, which is not far from Union Gap, Washington, thus Gary Puckett in the Union Gap. A number of hits during the 60s, such as Woman, Woman, This Girl is a Woman Now, Lady Willpower, among others. You probably don't remember those, Zach. Yeah, not so much. They're great songs. Gary Puckett and the Union Gap from Yakima. The great Olita Adams grew up in Yakima. She was discovered by Roland Orzabal and Kurt Smith, of course, of Tears for Fears, mm -hmm. while playing at a hotel bar. And it wasn't long before she was part of their band. She and the band had a hit duet with the single Woman in Chains, a great tune. Of course, I'm a pretty big Tears for Fears fan, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Phil Collins actually plays drums on that. And, of course, Alita Adams has gone on to a great career. Many other fine, upstanding, highly intelligent, good-looking people from Yakima. We thank you for listening, and we thank you as well, wherever you may be. Time now for this week's shenanigans statements. So here is everybody's favorite game show host, Zach Barletta. All right, come on down. Here's question number one. Robinson Cano deserves to miss out on the Hall of Fame because of his suspension for using a banned substance. I agree. That is, of course, if there's sufficient evidence to suggest that he is taking such substances throughout his career and therefore all his numbers would be tainted, unlike a Barry Bonds or a Roger Clemens who really, they were Hall of Famers before their alleged steroid use. Um, I think they should be part of the Hall of Fame. A guy like Robinson Cano, I, I don't know enough to know whether or not he was a user the whole time. I don't know what people are suggesting, what the evidence points to. The pro and that's the problem with this whole steroid era. This, this. Uh, how do you know what has affected a guy's number and what isn't? It's so. It's such a difficult thing to ascertain. And 
Um, but yeah, if, if it's thought that his numbers are now in question, if he's been doing this his whole career, then yeah, he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I would say shenanigans. Um, I think you all know my stance on the Hall of Fame, which is that even steroid users should be in because it's a museum of the game's history and the steroid era is a period of the game's history. I also think it's important to remember that although his guilt is somewhat assumed, he didn't test positive for a steroid. He tested positive for a diuretic that's often used to mask steroids in which he said his doctor in the Dominican prescribed for him. So, um, look, I think he should, if he compiles the numbers or the rest of his career, sure, put him in the Hall of Fame. I also think um, there's been a bit of a rush to judgment as well. Yeah, see, that's where I, I want to be clear. I don't know enough about it. I heard that he, and I certainly have read some, but not enough to know whether or not, I didn't know what he had been accused mm. of taking, and I didn't know how thorough the investigation is. We heard about some of these other guys because that investigation dragged mm. on and on and on and on. This sort of came and went pretty quick. Yeah. The other thing to remember, too, is that when you talk about the other guys that have been caught with steroids, a lot of Robinson Cano's best friends have been caught for steroids. Alex Rodriguez, Melky Cabrera, guys like that. Guys that he's played with and hangs out with outside of baseball. So it is also reasonable to assume that he was taking them. That's where I'll, I'll chime in with my answer, too. I'm going to have to say shenanigans until steroids start to keep other people out of the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. And I'm a, I'm a little bit of a purist, so this is kind of where all of us might have different answers here. I've got to say shenanigans to the statement because it hasn't kept other people out. It, it bugs me if things like uh, like Barry Bonds, like Alex Rodriguez, if those guys are going to make it in, in my opinion, it shouldn't inherently stop Robinson Cano unless they start pulling everybody out. But it seems like the Hall of Fame argument in most sports has been what they did on the field. And well, yeah. there's been a softening. Sorry, yeah. Zach. There's been a softening when it comes to Clemens, when it comes to Bonds. But so far, that accusation has kept them out. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they, they'd be in now. They're, I mean, certainly they've got the number. Certainly they've had the career. So the accusation yeah. has kept them out to this point. Whether it does, I doubt it. You know, I think eventually those guys are going to get in. Yeah. But uh, it's it's such a difficult thing. And I cut you off, Zach. So what were you going to say? I was going to say basically what you said. I think that, you know, while they're not in yet, they're getting more votes every year. And I do believe they eventually will. I think – right. The baseball writers have decided to punish them by making them wait until the last minute to be to be uh, put into the Hall of Fame. And I think we will probably see that with Robinson Cano. But if he ultimately gets to the milestones that you sort of need to get in, I think that he will eventually get in. And I think one of the things that I've heard that I think is a pretty good idea, if you've been suspected, if you've been associated with steroid use, then on your plaque there can be a note that says – some of these numbers could be however you put it, but mm-hmm. put on there that the mm-hmm. suggestion is this person's been associated but never found guilty. I agree with that. I think that would well. be a lot simpler. Number two, truth or shenanigans, the LA Dodgers are toast. What do you think, Zach? You know, when I wrote this, I wanted to agree, but the more I've thought about it, the more I have to say shenanigans. Um, yeah. Look, they're not having the season anybody thought they would have. I think you have them winning the World Series I in do. your predictions. <laughs> not anymore, but but <laughs> but the their saving grace is that they're starting to get healthy. Justin Turner's back. Uh, Clayton Kershaw's playing catch. He'll be back soon. But also, the rest of that division is hot garbage. And that's that's a key so right there. So 
they don't have much of an uphill climb. They're only five games out of a wild card spot, but to get back into first place in that division would only take a hot couple of weeks. So I don't think you can rule them out. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I say shenanigans. They are beginning to get some guys back. They've been hampered by injuries. It's just been one of those years that clubs go through sometimes where it seems everybody on the roster is spending time on the L. But as uh, on the DL, but as we sit here, they're only you mentioned they're five games out of the wild card. I hadn't even looked that up. They're only three or four games out of first place in their division. So as poorly as things have gone for them to this point. They're not all that far out of first. They're one good series from gaining a yeah. share of of first place. They still have a very good shot to make a playoff spot. And uh, although the injuries will make this more of a competition as opposed to a slam dunk that I thought it was going to be, it does cast a bit of a doubt whether they will have enough to win a World Series this season. Mm-hmm. But no, the the statement was their toast, and and I just can't agree with that. Spencer, do you have anything you think differently? I'm I might be the only one to disagree on this one. I do feel like they're toast. Um, well, Zach was... and I are the real experts here. And... <laughs> you can mute my microphone at any point. So uh... look, Spencer has a beard, so clearly whatever he says <laughs> is well thought out and intelligent. Now, uh, we all have beards, so just because you guys are bushier and more manly than mine. <laughs> Uh, Let me read you a couple of headlines when you look up what's going on with the Dodgers right now. The L.A. Dodgers are are in serious trouble. Early struggles doom Dodgers. Dodgers front office could have some explaining to do. So what really did it for me was something you mentioned a minute ago, Benson, which is I don't know that they have enough to make it all the way through the playoffs. Um, So to me, the way that now the momentum could change, we could see them scrape out maybe winning the division but I don't see them being that team that ran all the way through to the World Series last year and it was not that long ago just a few days ago they were behind the San Diego Padres who I think uh, Darren a few weeks ago called like a double A baseball team so (laughs) I think uh, just based on the momentum I'm seeing and this is not empirical evidence or science whatsoever but it does not feel like that team of a year ago so I'm going to go out and say they're toast I think it's very possible that they sort of back into the playoffs because they win the division almost by default, and then they're a quick out. But, you know, I don't think I could say that they don't have a shot. I do think they do at least have a shot. It's fair. Number three, the New York Yankees will go back up over the luxury tax threshold to add a pitcher at the trade deadline if necessary. I'm going to say shenanigans to that. I, I They've been adamant about remaining under the threshold, and after all the tough talk, I, I think they're going to follow through on that. I know, Zach, you don't feel this way, but I and many others did not think that this was the year for the Yankees. I thought that next year was probably the year they were targeting to be that team to be. And I understand when you find yourself in a position to do something special that you have to take that opportunity to get yourself there, to get yourself – if you find yourself – that close, then do what you got to do to win a title because you're not in that position every year. But that said, I think the Yankees have long-term plans, and I don't think those plans include going over the threshold. So what do you guys think? I agree with you, which is to say shenanigans to the statement. Um, Not only because they've been so adamant for a couple of years now that they're going to stay under it for the full season to reset the tax amount for next year, when coincidentally a lot of the high-priced free agents are available, but also because Brian Cashman has shown 
a great deal of creativity in how he structured this roster. The fact that he was able to add Giancarlo Stanton and how much money he makes, but he was able to unload Starlin Castro and Chase Headley so that their payroll only increased by less than a million dollars for the season. I think that if he were to add a, a, a higher-priced pitcher at the deadline, he would find a way to trim some salary somewhere else to keep them under the tax amount. So I would say they may add a pitcher, but I don't think they'll break the bank to do it. I'm still waiting for that Netflix original series, Brian Cashman, front office ninja. It's going to happen <laughs> at some point. We'll, we'll all agree on that one, I think, and based on the same argument, so I won't beat that uh, beat that argument to death, but I think Cashman will find a way to get what he's looking for but still accomplish that long-term goal. Um Despite the fact that some do argue that, you know, going after Giancarlo Stanton, people would, would argue that that might be kind of contrary to that. But with what he's been able to do, even including that contract, I think he'll find a way to do what he wants to do. When Angel's starting pitcher slash designated hitter Shohei Otani was asked whether he'd like to participate in the Home Run Derby this year, he said, I'm honored to be mentioned in that conversation, but I feel like I'm not at that level yet. Truth or shenanigans, Otani should be in the Home Run Derby. I'm interested to hear what you think on this, Zach. Um, I think he should be. I would love to see him. Obviously, you can't force somebody. I mean, Aaron Judge isn't doing it, and we all think he should be in the Home Run Derby. But just to see a pitcher in the Home Run Derby, I don't know that we've ever seen that. I would really love to see that. I think uh, especially since he's getting so many days off for rest, I, I think, yeah, he should be in the Home Run Derby. I think it's a story. It's certainly an interesting one because he's a two-way player. He's mm-hmm. a pitcher in a home run derby, and and that's why I kind of suspected you wanted to see that. But no, what's he got? Six or seven home runs at this point? There's a lot of guys with more home runs that are more deserving to be in that showcase event, and and he'd be taking a spot from them. I just... I don't. But besides that, we've heard in recent years the talk about injuries in relation to the Derby. So why would he or the Angels want to take that risk? The only reason is because we want to see a pitcher in it. Now, if you want to have a a, a separate competition, get Madison Bumgarner and, and some pitchers into it, well, this could be a, a fun thing to do. But I, I just. I don't think it would be great value. We want to see the best power hitters. And while he is a terrific player, I don't think he's one of the best power hitters in the game. I've got to agree with Benson and and say shenanigans to the statement because I think from a baseball and statistical and true power hitter standpoint in the game, I don't think that he's done enough in his first year to get there. From a marketing standpoint, maybe he should be. (laughs) So if depending on what what viewpoint we're going to take on this, maybe he should. But in the interest of who's hit the most home runs and who's got the the best statistics, I just don't think he's done quite enough. Despite hitting a few no-doubters, you've got people like Judge and like Trout who have more than double the number of home runs that he's got so far. So I've got to say shenanigans. Last but not least... If the Vegas Golden Knights continue to defy the odds and actually win the Stanley Cup in their expansion season, it would be the most impressive championship in recent sports history. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. I can't think of anything that even comes close. Can you? I had a guy telling me that he thought that if an expansion team won the Stanley Cup, that it would be really a travesty because it would make the NHL look like a watered-down league. It would look bad if an expansion team could win the title. But this is not your average expansion team. 
Right. The you know the expansion is done differently than it was many years ago where teams just made their scrubs available. Mm-hmm. Teams are paying huge amount of money to get into a league and in exchange teams can only protect so many players. So this mm-hmm. is not your average expansion team. This is a, a a terrific roster. And obviously at this point you got to it this is a good team. That said though the first year playing together, all the things that go into a team, yeah. the front office, the the all of that, it's a pretty remarkable story that they could be in position to be the champions after having played together for just you know a, a few months essentially. Mm-hmm. I I agree. Um, I thought about some of the championships recently that have been big stories. You know, Cleveland bringing or LeBron bringing a title to Cleveland, the Cubs breaking the curse. You know, and I thought, you know, both of those were still a lot more probable than this. The mm-hmm. Cubs, the Cubs were expected to contend for a World Series, and LeBron, you know, the the Cleveland, it was their first title, but they had the best player in the game. You know, so that was not totally unexpected either. This was a team that many people thought could finish in last place in the league, and you look at what they've accomplished. I can't think of a championship in recent memory that's been anywhere close to this impressive. Right. If if they do go on to win it. I agree with what you said about people, they were expected maybe to be bad. Just a few weeks ago, you guys were talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, and I think, Benson, you said something about the fact that even though the process of how they got their players has changed, that these were still players that were made available by teams. They said, you can you can have them. And so, to me, that sticks out as something that's really impressive. And some of the teams that you mentioned, things like the Cubs came to mind, but the fact is they were a great team. And it was more of a story because it was something that hadn't happened in a long time rather than people doubting them every step of the way, which is what we've done with the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. We've all said as we've gone along, uh, when, when's the magic going to stop? When's, right. when's the, magic the other going shoe going to gonna drop? We all waited for it. And to me, it feels like uh, reminiscent of the Miracle on Ice 1980 game and, and movie with uh, that was a great movie. But it feels like it could be that level of. Of excitement. I'm hoping it ends the same way. I hope they win. Absolutely. That would be awesome. I'm, I'm yeah, at this it. point with the lightning out, and I can't, I've, I've tweeted out that the Capitals moving on to the to the finals is proof <laughs> that Thanos is real and the world is coming to an end because the only thing worse than the Capitals playing for a cup is, would be to have the Philadelphia Flyers. And I've already heard from my Philadelphia friends that you know, the, the, what offense they've taken to that. But I can't stand the Capitals. I've never really enjoyed that organization. Well, and it becomes from being a, a, an Islanders fan and a rivalry there to some degree. I just, the Capitals, man, go go Vegas Knights, you know. Besides that, Las Vegas Golden Knights owes it to the College of St. Rose in Albany, New York, where my daughter is an alum. They oh, stole yeah. hey. their logo. They stole their, their team name. And, you know, I don't know what they gave him, maybe a couple of hot dog rolls and a case of paper towels in exchange for using it. But uh, the St. Rose Golden Knights are owed at least a cup visit if Las Vegas lifts it up. They at least need to bring it to Albany. There you have it. That's this week's shenanigans. I'm Benson. The goodly bearded men with me, as alluded to earlier, are Zach and Spencer Barletta. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, 
the Myths and Mysteries podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. The Bible says in book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 27, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. All around the country, people hate the New York Yankees. Not sure what they have against winning, but you know what I mean. All around the country, people also love the New York Yankees as well, but there's no short of, a, of hatred for the Bronx Bombers. But yet, the Yankees love their people all around the world. There's a week. There's a report this week that revealed that the Yankees have, for decades, by the way, sent flowers to funerals of slain police officers in and around the New York City area. But since 2015, the team has quietly sent flowers to families and police departments of slain officers all across the country. It was the team's vice president and chief security officer, Sonny Height, who heard about an officer who was killed in the line of duty in another state and decided to reach out beyond the local area. Height, a former detective in the NYC police department, said, I just thought, hey, this guy deserves to be recognized for a sacrifice. We should at least send some flowers acknowledging that. Last month, Officer Sean Gannon of the Yarmouth Police Department in Massachusetts, territory, of course, of the rival Boston Red Sox, was shot and killed tragically while serving a warrant. Police Chief Frank Fredrickson couldn't believe it when he read a card on some flowers that said from the New York Yankees, that, that said the flowers were from the New York Yankees. Police Chief Fredrickson said, I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, and my first reaction was call the delivery guy and have him take them back. And, of course, I say that in jest. This is him speaking. But then he added, this is a class move. It means a lot to us. All the guys came down, wanted to see it. They were like, are you kidding me? The Yankees sending flowers uh, to a Massachusetts police department. The Yankees' support for families of uh, fallen law enforcement goes a long ways back. This was something George Steinbrenner was into. It started way back in 1982 when Steinbrenner helped create the Silver Shield Foundation. 
Their website says that the organization has provided for the education of over 200, or excuse me, 800 children wow. whose parent was killed in the line of duty. There's also a story that in 2016, Officer Jason Mosier was shot and, shot and killed in the line of duty in Fargo, North Dakota. And as you may ex- expect, his 11-year-old stepson, Dylan, was absolutely devastated. Dylan's biological father said that when the flowers from the Yankees arrived, remember this is Fargo, North Dakota, when the flowers from the Yankees arrived, the young man took them to his room, watered them, and attempted to keep them alive for as long as possible. The dad says it was the first time he smiled in days. The care, the kindness of the New York Yankees is what I like this week. You know what I love about that, too, is that they've apparently been doing it since 1982. This is the first time we've heard about it. They haven't publicized it. They haven't attempted to get credit for what they've done. They've just done it because it was the right thing to do. Exactly right. I really love that. What I like this week was that former Bills offensive lineman Richie Incognito is under psychiatric evaluation. And that sounds really weird to say that that's what I like this week. But I'm sure if you live in this area, you've seen the story about him flipping out on a guy in a gym and throwing a a dumbbell at him and ranting about the government spying on his phone and all kinds of stuff. It's clear that Richie Incognito is not well. He needs help. And thankfully, in the location where he is, they have a law that he could be remanded into psychiatric observation for three days. I'm thankful for that because that means he's being evaluated. He'll get the help that he needs, and he's not endangering anybody or himself. So the fact that Richie Incognito is under evaluation and will get the help that he needs, that's what I like this week. You like that? You like that? What I like this week goes back to the verse uh, mentioned a minute ago about returning with love uh, when not always treated well. What I like this week is Buffalo Bills' new quarterback Josh Allen's response to Jacksonville Jaguars corner Jalen Ramsey calling him out on Twitter. Jalen Ramsey watched a video tweeted out of Josh Allen's very first snaps as a Buffalo Bill quarterback and retweeted the video saying, that's a pick waiting to happen right there. After a while, he took the video down after being accused of it coming out in bad taste. And Josh Allen was, of course, asked what he thought of uh, Jalen Ramsey coming out and, and talking down about him already. And what he had to say was, well, that's one of the best cornerbacks in the league right there. So what I like is uh, Josh Allen's humble and loving response to somebody talking down about his like very that. first... Passes as a quarterback. This has been the Beyond the Game program. We are so glad you could be with us for this week's show. Please consider partnering with our team here at Beyond the Game. We bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to thousands of listeners each week through Sports Talk Radio. Your financial contributions to this radio ministry is what keeps us on the air. And of course, if you have a business, think about advertising with the Beyond the Game program. For more information or to make a donation, visit our website, BTG Program. There's lots of other stuff there as well. Additional information about the program. You can see Zach's beard firsthand. There's past broadcasts. Detailed information about how you can know Jesus Christ personally and begin your faith journey walking daily in the love of God. And don't forget to check out the Myth and Mysteries podcast. These two guys, our producer Zach Barletta, his brother Spencer, they put in a ton of work to share with you some really cool and interesting stories. Give them a listen for yourself Myth and Mysteries, it's available on iTunes and Google Play. Visit their website, mythandmysteriespod.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. Be bold and be great.